On this episode of the Flop House, we discuss Invasion, the only film to tackle the body snatching menace, other than, you know, all those other ones. As, as uh, you, you start with the tinkle of ice cubes in a glass, as I'm if Gene Martin is hosting no, this episode of the Flophouse. This is the uh, Flophouse Celebrity Roast. <laughs> um, so uh, this is the first um, daytime recording of the Flophouse. Sure. I don't know whether that's going to affect um, the attitude. Maybe. The sound quality. Um, the Poss- general... Possibly. Atmospherics. Atmospherics. Also... I will probably be doing minimal editing on this, so I warn the listener ahead of time that you might be hearing a lot more ums and... Um, General nonsense? Yeah, because the reason we're... <laughs> Uncontrolled cursing. The reason we're doing a daytime recording is because Stuart has been in Baltimore recently uh, running a wiretap, I assume. <laughs> um, I can't talk about it. And uh, next week I'm going to be out of town on my first vacation in years. So this was the. Where best. are you going, Dan? I'm going to San Francisco. Very nice. Or as uh, I would say, if I was Sulu in Star Trek Four, San Francisco, which he did. That's the one with the whales, right? Yeah, the okay. whale one. The one where the message is, um, whales killing whales is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't know that before the movie when I was a kid. <laughs> I actually had posters. Uh, I, had, I had posters of whalers yeah. on my walls. <laughs> you collected whaler trading cards. Yeah, whaler <laughs> team beat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bjorn Svensson is up to seventy whales this season. Uh, he's got a good cast to his harpoon. <laughs> Sorry, is my my knowledge of whaling is based exclusively on one cursory reading of the uh, Moby Dick. Yeah, of the illustrated Moby Dick. <laughs> I think that Classics whaling is illustrated, I believe. pretty much the same now as it was at the time that Melville wrote uh, Probably. The, the Classics <laughs> Illustrated version of Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Melville, we like your book, but we, want, we need you to condense it for this Classics Illustrated. All right, I am working as an anonymous civil servant. I will do it for you. Yeah. That's a little bit of information about Melville's life hmm. for the listener. I think that probably um, sunk into... Uh, uh, that one story of his that I can't remember. Bartleby the Scribble. Bartleby. 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 Let's Billy talk Bud about the movie we Sailor. actually watched. I'll save this for my American Literature <laughs> History podcast. So we watched the movie Awake, which uh, I would say... No, is... wait, wait, wait. That's not what we watched No, we today. didn't watch it at all. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That shows how well the movie we did watch today sunk into your mind. I'm glad <laughs> that, that this the is the one. one I chose to do little editing on. Um, the Invasion, Daniel. We watched the Invasion. The Invasion. Which is... Um, Probably the highest star power of any yeah. film that we've watched. It starred Virginia Woolf and James Bond. Yes. Um, and they were playing the characters Nicole Kidman and uh, Daniel Craig in the movie. In the hello, role, hello. In the, in the roles of American woman and English doctor. Yeah. American woman with an inexplicable uh, penchant for running into a bit of an Australian accent at yeah. moments of high stress. But um, give us some background on the invasion. Well, it's the fourth uh, cinematic remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. uh, the fourth uh, official one. Even though you would argue that that concept has been stolen by a lot more movies. Uh, after the there was the Don Siegel version, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the who, Philip Kaufman did mm-hmm. the second the one, seventies one, and then the Abel Ferrara mm-hmm. one in the nineties. The uh, directors are getting less and less famous as the movies go on. Yeah, to the point that I don't know the director of this one. Uh, well, the thing about this movie is it was directed by I. Th- it was a German director. It started out with a German director. I think it was the guy who did the movie Control. I'm oh, not okay. sure about that. So I, I could be giving false information over the medium of podcast. It was either which him I believe is an FCC uh, <laughs> finable violation. It was either him or Fritz Lang. Yeah, but uh, his version apparently was too uh, slow, and I, I can't really? imagine like because this movie was incredibly slow. But they brought in, the Wachowski brothers brought in the person who did V for Vendetta to do reshoots. Oh, that makes sense, because V for Vendetta was also very boring. Yeah. Mm. This film was, as they say, plagued boring. by research, reshoots. <laughs> it which, was, this movie was plagued by the idea that exposition is inherently interesting. We were talking about this during it, um, that much of the movie is people explaining how they, other people are being invaded and body snatched in the driest way possible. And it's like, oh, normal viruses are this size, but this virus is this size, and it doesn't die when it's heated up to 700 degrees. Okay, <laughs> uh, fine. Can we get to some body snatching? Like, this is... Yeah, because the idea of heating up something to 700 degrees is really scary to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, if I heated up an alien to 700 degrees, it would still be an alien? Right. Well, what they're saying is, like, you could not not be uh, snatched by, say, walking into a fire. Like, which... <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't save you. Yeah. So <laughs> nice, because uh, I like to think that her thought process, Nicole Kidman's thought process, uh, her first idea is like, "Oh shit, somebody vomited alien shit all over me. Um, I'm gonna jump into a fire. <laughs> That'll kill it." Uh, the, but the uh, the joke we made during the film was that this movie was rated PG-13 MD. Yeah, but, uh, it meant a lot more to someone with an advanced medical degree or. It, that was it was a really funny joke when uh, <laughs> was, I think Alien said it first. It was better when we told it, but yeah, you know. yeah, we laughed. The now, like in previous uh, versions of the story, usually there's a uh, pod of some kind yes, that sure. creates a duplicate. And that's where the phrase pod people comes from. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been um, Science Fiction Facts. <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy. If you have any other questions about the work of Finney or other science fiction greats, just let me know. Email me at elliotkalen at sciencefictiongrandmasters.blogspot.edu. <laughs> Sub- subject line query and then the name <laughs> of the author you'd like to ask me about yeah but the thing is about um everyone from uh Algis Budras to Roger Zelazny <laughs> just Fuck right it. on in <laughs> <sighs> I have a question about Stanislaw Lem sure <laughs> <laughs> I've been wondering why our numbers have been going down and I think I've discovered what it is I... <laughs> but um yeah, usually there's a vegetative pod sort of thing that actually creates a duplicate. And uh, what are you laughing about, Stuart? <laughs> Roger Zelazny's fun- uh, name is really funny. <laughs> For other funny names of science fiction authors. I'm surprised that Algis Budras is not the name that you laughed at, but Roger Zelazny. Well, because I don't even know that person. I think you made it up. No. He wrote a book called Who? Which is very good, actually. It was made into a movie, actually, that we could watch sometime with uh, Elliot Gould in it. That I picked up a long time ago because it looks terrible. I think it's called Robo Man. But... <laughs> it sounds really good. <laughs> uh, but in this version of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, or shortened to The Invasion. The Invasion, because people because, don't like long titles. Yeah, anymore. modern people can't, after two words. Frankly, I'm surprised they called it The Invasion and didn't just call it Invasion. Yeah. 
Because, or I. Yeah, or just I. I think, or, I think in, it was originally. The, because <laughs> because they, they, movies tend not to have the word the in the title anymore. When yeah. they used to be very commonplace. It was, it was originally uh, Invasion, but then when the Wachowskis came in and replaced the director, they're like, there's got to be a the in here. <laughs> that's going to sell it. That could be anything. Uh, it could be any invasion. This is a particular invasion. <laughs> not just the idea of invasion. But um, yeah, here it was a virus. Yeah. A virus that was spread by people puking on people. It's almost <laughs> unlike as if, normal viruses. <laughs> it's almost as if they wanted to make a zombie movie, but had already paid for the invasion of the body snatchers, tra- you know, rights. Yeah, I think I think Ellie brought this up. Is that this movie does not uh, fuck around? It goes right to the hey, these people are aliens premise, mm-hmm. like right away, like. Within five minutes, a, the presidential aide is approached by a girl carrying a chunk of uh, space debris. Yes. Which he touches because she's like, hey, look at this. <laughs> and he's like, of course, little girl. Ow, I'm bleeding. And, uh, well, it's and then we go back to work. And then he <laughs> drops it. She hands it to him. It, it infects him. He's like, ow. This is he at, drops it. This is he at, turns around, walks away from the little girl without saying anything, without taking the space degree. This is all taking debris. place, by the way, at a in case he didn't know it was space debris, is what the listener might be thinking. No, this is at a locked down site where a spaceship has crashed, and there are guys in hazmat suits everywhere, and he just came out of that. So, really, he should have known that she was carrying a piece of a spaceship. And I... I think I'd much rather watch a movie based around the adventures of this, like, really sassy little kid who sneaks into fucking a space shuttle crash site and is like, hey, let me pick up this chunk of space debris. Let me show it to this smart guy. But what you were saying about the, like, the movie doesn't set up the characters before they get involved in this, the body snatcher stuff. It's like, body snatchers, okay, oh, we need some characters to get their bodies snatched. Throw them in, and then after about 20 minutes of dicking around, it's like, uh, clock's ticking. Let's get some fucking body snatching going on here. Let's it's... get some vomiting out of this. Yeah, but by the body time... snatching, a lot of um, seeing Nicole Kidman at work. Yes. Um, seeing her fix uh, breakfast for her child in, in surprisingly uh... revealing pajamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's one of those movies where like, there's no progression at all. Instead of her slowly realizing that there are aliens around, it's almost as if it suddenly. Everybody in the world is an alien, and it didn't. Who? What? It just happened overnight, and then later on, when they when the problem is solved, it's like, oh, good, everyone's not an alien anymore. Like, there's no logic. To right, that. and that's such that's a bad right. choice too, because I think that in horror movies, really, like the setup is the best part. Like, yeah. seeing the world slowly fall apart is the creepy thing, not the actual like release of of the chaos. But the, uh, but also the fact that. She run, once she discovers there are aliens around, she runs into maybe a dozen people at different places who are all like, whoa, don't show any emotion. That's what they notice. Whoa, 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 walk slower. And these are just innocent bystanders. And it's like, why are we following the last person on Earth to learn about this? It really seems like everyone else had that moment of discovery before the main character <laughs> of the film did. Yeah, and as I said at the time, I think that they pitched this movie by saying uh, there will be a lot of thrilling scenes of Nicole Kidman walking very slowly and trying not to show emotion as she walks by aliens and uh, furtively looking around, which is thrilling. But the, but the thing is, is like they could have actually tried to make an effort to make it seem like she's actually going through some effort to not show emotion. 
But instead, they're just like, let's just do this normal scene of her walking from one place to another place. She'll just be walking slower, and her eyes will be moving more. Yeah, it was. It's very lazy stuff. Like I think, I think the scene in uh, Shaun of the Dead where they're trying to pretend to be zombies is more thrilling than any scene in this movie. <laughs> well, it's almost like they felt like the movie would get by on the gimmick of like. Shit, everyone she knows is turning into an alien. She's got to pretend to be one. But there are three other versions of this story. It's like if Peter Jackson had remade King Kong and made it like an hour and a half long and was like, don't worry, people are going to get blown away by the idea of a giant ape climbing a building. Like, <laughs> no, Peter Jackson, this is the you know the third official King Kong that with not counting the sequels and the Japanese movies. Like it's you know, I'm thinking of King Kong vs Godzilla, King Kong sure Escapes, no. where he fights Mecha Kong. The yeah. best, maybe the best scene involved in any King Kong movie. Yeah, well, I think a robot monkey yeah, sounds well, pretty good. Yeah, technically a robot gorilla. All right. All right, Elliot. But, so uh, it's a different type of animal completely. <laughs> <laughs> a great ape. Yeah, a great ape, yeah. All right. Well, um, this movie had a lot to teach us about society. That's yeah, for oh, sure. <laughs> uh, yes, nice segue. Yeah, well, there was a guy. A Russian guy. There's a Russian guy. And we know this because he was at a party where everyone had an accent. He and was, his accent was a Russian that, accent. That party was taking place at a diplomat's house. Okay, fair enough. The city, this this whole movie takes place in Washington D.C. And here's another. Before we get into that, here's another flaw with the film: is the movie is about a force of conformity coming in and turning people into basically robots. And one, it's hilarious because they all talk like robots, which is something we didn't mention before. But right, well, like two in, seconds in, <laughs> the like yeah, the first character we see who gets turned into an alien, who's the guy who holds the space debris. The next scene we see of him, he calls his ex-wife Nicole Kidman, and he says. Hello, I'm in the old house we used to live in. I, I like humans. <laughs> and, and, and she was Not like, aliens. and she's talked to Daniel Craig later on, and she's like, there was something different about him. It's strange. Uh, he never, and then she's like, he never calls me. Like, that was what was, <laughs> what tipped strange it. strange about it. Like, this is a man she's been married to and had a child with, and that's the most strange thing she can find about. But, but like, it's, set, it's a movie about conformity coming in and smoothing out all the differences between people. So they choose... Washington, D.C., a city that, yes, has its difference and its, like, racial troubles and things like that, but visually is a very boring-looking city in terms of it has these beautiful monuments, but they don't look particularly... It's not like, uh-oh, this is a city with a crazy social life. Like, <laughs> the, se- like the second version of the movie is set in San Francisco, which is speci- which is a city that has this very specific vibe of, like, anything goes in San Francisco, that's where you can be yourself. But in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., it's like, well, guess I'll go lobby the government. You know, there's no, there's no. We just lost a bunch of listeners, by the way. Wow. Oh, because of my pro San Francisco. <laughs> and your anti uh, Washington, Washington D.C. I don't. It's not saying I don't like Washington D.C., but they could have picked a more uh, a city that was that conformity maybe is less around. We are hosted on the Pentagon website. That's oh no, where all our I didn't files are kept. That. Um, but you were talking about. Uh, well, no, actually, you make a good point. We should go back and say that, you know, in the original, uh, the first version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is uh, still my favorite, even though I really like the 70s version, um, the thing about the people who are snatched is they're exactly the same. Yes. It's just that because we are human, we can recognize what is human in another person, and we like the people are like, there's nothing different about these people, but I know they're different. And that was what was creepy about it, like the idea that, like, Nothing rational could be explained about what's different. But these guys, basically, they could be wearing signs that say, like, alien across their <laughs> chest when they march in. And and there's a scene early on. Nicole Kidman is a uh, psychologist, and she's with one of her patients. And the woman's like, my husband isn't my husband. 
And one of the examples she gives is the husband comes home and the dog runs up to him barking and the husband breaks the dog's neck. And Nicole Kidman's response is to up the dosage on the woman's uh, medication rather than, you know, as you pointed out, maybe giving the medication to her husband. I think it was Stuart. Yeah, that was was mine. Well, the wow. podcast listeners can't yes. don't know who I'm looking at when I say these things anyway. Yeah, it's like, so. that's a, it, that's you can't like in the original. I think it's in the original story, and maybe it's in the first movie that they mentions that uh, this person's uncle I think is different. She can't pinpoint how, and she checked to see if the uncle's birthmark on his neck or something like that was there. And the person she's talking to, who is a doctor, says, "And it wasn't there." And she goes, "No, it was. It was like." She's scared that he's an exact duplicate in every way, so she can't convince anybody. Whereas, as you're saying in this, you know, the man came home and snapped his pet dog's neck. Like, this is, if it's at the very least a criminal offense. That's cruelty yeah, to Yeah, it's not a very <laughs> sly invasion. No, but that's the other thing, is this is maybe the worst hidden invasion in the world, to the point that they might as well have just sent in dreadnought spaceships and started blasting the White House. Like, it was almost like the aliens from Independence Day decided to invade, but they were like... We're not very good at being secretive. Like, let's just take everything over and, like, do this thing, you know. And they broadcast their motives to anybody who will listen. They <laughs> yep. don't – You very... don't have to wear special sunglasses to see them. No, and they're not <laughs> – exactly. And also – You have to get in on a really awesome seven-minute fight to put on those sunglasses. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the way to – and the way they change a lot of people is that they projectile vomit into their mouths so that this virus gets in. And it's like, really? That's not a very sly way of, of yeah. evading. And I mean – they use the projectile vomit attack in the uh, in the movie Slither, which I think it actually worked in that movie because that movie was really gross and it wasn't <laughs> trying to be sneaky in any way. Yeah, this movie had like this like this classy sheen over it. They have big name actors and actresses. They have James Bond. It was, it was shot like it was Michael Clayton in terms of visual style. Like it looked like with vomiting with vomit. Michael Clayton, where there's a scene where which, by the way, that would be a better version of Michael Clayton. <laughs> yes. Michael Clayton, where there's a scene where a <laughs> train of people are vomiting came, all over each other. Came up to uh, George Clooney, he's like, ah. But also, like the fact they made it, they changed it so that these are this is a virus instead of pod people. To go back to what we were talking about before, and what was scary about the other ones is that in this one you change, you become a different person. But in the original ones, you get murdered by your double, and your double takes your life. They hide pods in your basement. The pods duplicate you, and while you're sleeping, the pod people come and kill you and take over. So there's a great scene where Kevin McCarthy takes, goes down and finds his double being formed, and it's almost finished, and he has to stab it to death with a pitchfork. And he's stabbing his own body, basically. Not himself, but he's stabbing a duplicate of his body. Whereas in this, it's like... Oh well, I still have all my memories, and I'm just I, I'm, I'm just sick. I'm I've just, got a flu. I've got an alien flu. I'm just not as emotive as I once was. But there's no danger of you being replaced. It's more a danger of you just you know you're gonna be yeah. A well, and there's a scene in this movie where Nicole Kidman has a dream where her double is going to kill her, and that was actually shown in the trailer. And I remember that like seeing that in the trailer, I was like. Oh, that's that's a great shot of like mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman's like devil sneaking up behind her, like like swinging. I forget what it was. It's either like, a pipe or a crowbar. Or yeah, a wrench. Might have been a wrench. And uh, no, that's just like part of her little it's part dream. Part of a dream. Scene. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, like a curveball they throw. So if you wanted a cat fight <laughs> between two Nicole Kidmans, you're you're out of luck. It's almost like they were trying. They tried so hard, and this happens a lot with what I like to call classy horror, or classy science fiction, where they tried to tone down the more melodramatic aspects like that like a cat fight between two versions of the same person and it's like no this would make your movie immeasurably better <laughs> if it had like more excitement in it, it the same way th- this was almost like the road to perdition of science fiction horror movies where it's like we want to make a movie that makes a point about 
how conformity, you know, about how we would say we're sacrificing peace for our individual. Yeah, well, let's purpose, get back to except that. Except we want to make it as unexciting as possible. Because the because uh, the the Russian diplomat at this party goes off on a like I would say a three minute at least <laughs> monologue at Nicole Kidman. Like they're apparently having a conversation, but Nicole Kidman doesn't say anything until the end. Uh, she she has a little you know she refutes what he says and everyone around the table is like oh, bravo life well, of the party <laughs> well done smashing you oh, certainly yes yes, yes. Daniel, Daniel Craig's character you should marry her <laughs> but I mean no that's all right we're just friends right now we're not gonna get into that all right all right all right <laughs> well Bob's your uncle what's all you saying hey what <laughs> but um but this Russian guy's like. The, the humans are a warlike creature who always will will, will fight. There's no way in to have country, peace in my time. But in your country, what and, a, and Nicole what a Kidman humanity. was like, oh yeah, so <laughs> got a shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> you're listening to funny voices, <laughs> <laughs> stereotypical accents. The the podcast. But um, good day, mate. <laughs> But, uh, but no, I she... was in far and away, <laughs> which was far and away the best film. Now she, now she's a cockney. <laughs> yeah. But um, so what we, what you were saying is that basically he if... states the theme of the movie at sure. length, almost as if it's it's one of those things where he's almost looking at the viewer when he says it, and it would be it would be better yeah. if he just literally turned to the camera and said, "Audience, I am telling you this." <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's like the end of uh, the Return of the King animated movie where Gandalf looks to the audience and is like, "Maybe you have a little Hobbit in you," <laughs> and you're like, "Gross, <laughs> are you gross and weird? I'm me, fucking a Hobbit." That reminds, that reminds me of my favorite movie, my favorite line in a. Godzilla 2000, which I'm sure you guys remember well, yeah, yeah. which is at the end, I do. Godzilla destroys the alien <laughs> that basically tried to take over Godzilla's territory, and Godzilla is walking away from the battle and destroying much of Tokyo while doing so. He's literally smashing buildings with his feet and shooting fire at them. And the little kid says to the, the G-Force scientist, uh, says, why does Godzilla save us time after time? And he says... Perhaps there's a little bit of Godzilla in all of us. <laughs> and it makes no sense. Also, Godzilla is basically just defending his turf. Like, he's, he's and just, then... This is as he's killing innocent And then people. they literally do the the end question mark. <laughs> mark. It's it, 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 my favorite ending maybe of all time. It is set it up for Godzilla Final Wars in which Godzilla and Minya basically forgive America for atom bombing Japan. <laughs> it's in a complicated way. Well, that's only right. I mean... I mean, he was created by the atom bomb. Did that, that movie, so I don't know if you guys have seen Godzilla: Final Wars. No, I haven't. it's the movie that involves monsters fighting. But if they cut to a scene, Rodan attacks New York, and it's like a stereotypical New York in the eighties. There's like it's uh, there's shot, like a, is it shot in Toronto? It looks like it was, but there's also like a cop arguing with a pimp, wearing a hat with a feather in it. But they're with around an eighties car. Like it feels like a scene from like you know trading places or something like that. But uh, then Rodan flaps his wings, and the pimp's hat flies off, and you hear this sound effect, zoom, when the hat flies off. <laughs> and there are, like, all these Matrix-style fights in the movie, and, like, there's this very big message about forgiveness at the end and the atomic, you know, destruction to Japan, but you do hear a hat fly off with a zoom sound effect. Oh, it's so good. It sounds really good. Now, the invasion, <laughs> the, the invasion almost feels like the the science fiction movie that would have been made if everybody involved making it was actually a pod person. That's a very like good point. that's about how exciting it was. 
Yeah, well, they. I really think that they directed the actors to not emote even before the the pod people started taking over. The the the, the director was like, "Oh no, it'll be a really subtle, um, deep uh, message about how we're already pod people." But, that, but it just made it really dull. <laughs> but also, like, uh, but that also one goes against the theme of the movie. But to get back to what you're saying about the Russian guy stating that yeah. states we're all monsters under we're all animals underneath. The pod people take over and world peace happens instantly. We find this sure. out on CNN. Yeah, th- th- but let's not gloss over. But, Basically, there's like 20 minutes or so, or half an hour like of just like minutes. running around, running around, and then like in the background <laughs> of a scene, we see CNN on. And we see that world peace has happened now that the pod people have taken over. And then another like long chase scene. And then at the end, we discover that, oh, once the pod people are defeated, everything goes back to normal. But in between, and, there's, but no, then, there's nothing in reinforcing the theme at also, all. But also, Nicole Kidman looks, at the, looks almost at the camera and remembers the Russian guy saying those lines about, we're all animals inside. Oh, and, and it's literally like... Here's the moral in case you didn't hear it the yeah, first time. No, no. Well, you got go if you went to go to the bathroom during that scene. This is what you know, at the end of the film. Yes, CNN is on again. Smash cut credits. <laughs> I don't think CNN's on. I think Daniel Craig, who's been healed, is reading a newspaper. That's the other thing. He Daniel, probably has a cane sitting right next yeah, to him. Yeah, Daniel Craig. The first time we see him, Nicole Kidman, I guess, gets in his car and he says, "Did you see this? Eighty-three more people killed in Iraq. When will it end?" Then. <laughs> Okay, so that's his hobby is that he's a pessimist. He never says anything like that again until the very end of the movie when it's like, again, when will this end? 75 more people killed in yeah. Iraq. Cut you know? to a uh, quiet shot of Nicole Kidman looking off into space <laughs> thoughtfully and Russian being the Russian uh, words coming back to her. And then, as you say, completely just like, cut to black. And it is the most abrupt, <laughs> strange ending. I literally said what about eight <laughs> times. I believe afterwards. instead of cutting to black, it actually cut to some excellent uh, computer graphics of cells. And, and let's stuff. talk about these computer graphics. There's a lot like throughout the entire movie. I mean, it was like anytime there's anything that wouldn't just be a person standing around. They're like, hey, why don't we? Wouldn't that be better if we use a computer? Like, if somebody's like sick and covered in alien goo. Instead of doing it with practical effects, it's all fucking computer shit. It's it really look, weird. It looks really fake, but also doesn't look gross. It actually looks really like really clean alien. Goo well, what you have to you have to understand, like as you said, this is basically like a medical horror film. <laughs> so they got the team from House to do it. They're just like, you know, the way we do it over in House is we uh, CGI every disease. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. But that makes like, sense. I was thinking about. I remember a long time ago, I was here watching the '80s version of The Blob. Uh, right. And one of the things that's so great about it is like there are a lot of you know there are composited effects and things, but it's basically like real goo and real puppets. They don't have computer effects because it was like nineteen eighty what five or six, right? And, yeah, uh, and computers it, are only green and black. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it back when everything was wireframe. Yeah, yeah. but like the, it was so much. It would have been it's so much grosser than if it was like a computer animated blob where it'd be like, oh okay, that looks really smooth. Like it does like. If you're right. going to have alien goo all over people, it should be, like, chunky and messy and, like, sticky. But this looked real. This looked literally like you could peel it off, and people do that at times in the movie. Like, Nicole Kidman literally, like, peels off spit that's on yeah. her face. Oh, no, no, hold on. The the first, like, she takes the uh, this piece of goo to uh, Jeffrey Wright, who is a... Reunited uh, with his Casino Royale co-star, Daniel Craig. Yeah, who's a scientist who eventually uh, solves the alien problem. But... <laughs> She is literally handed the first piece of evidence. Like, she's like, 
what is this little piece it looks like wax paper except for there's uh like veins in it and shit and she's like huh well even though i found this at a halloween party and this could be like a halloween thing i'm gonna take it to jeffrey wright and he's gonna put it under the microscope <laughs> and solve fair, everything she did find it on a creepy kid who had just survived a dog attack that's true mm-hmm. yeah who was dogs don't like aliens candy Yes, he was. Care- that's how you know. That's the first time you know that he is an alien because dogs hate him, and because he was carefully organizing his candy. Or he has OCD. Al- at that point, yeah, the yep. aliens are more obsessive compulsive. Earth then. candy <laughs> is delicious. Yay, humans! These sugary comestibles are <laughs> quite enjoyable to myself. They would love these back on my home planet. I mean, <laughs> alien um, land, which is Earth, <laughs> <laughs> the place that you live. Also, our home planet. Gotta go. <laughs> Calmly walks They're away. robots. Milky Way, that's the name of the place you live in. There was this there was also this theme of if you become an alien you dress very like for business. Everyone yeah, who was an alien wore They're very natally dressed. Yeah, wore very good very very expensive suits or pantsuits if you're a woman. And when the kid comes back as almost one of the leaders of the alien, this obsessive compulsive <laughs> candy kid, he comes back in, looking like Leonard Nimoy from In Search of with like a blazer over a turtleneck and he or like a mini Bond villain. Like, yeah. By the way, uh, have you ever done a Bond movie where the villain was a kid? No, that's a great sure, idea. That would be really awesome. Dude, we Oh man. Let's don't do not send this podcast out. Okay, I don't want anyone stealing a million this million idea. dollar idea. Oh, and uh, maybe we'll drop our other million dollar idea at some point. <laughs> nice. <Okay. laughs> but the, one, the the thing that I wanted to say though about that kid was uh, perhaps the best thing about the movie, other than Nicole Kidman's sweater, was um, the scene where Nicole Kidman threw a child across the room <laughs> into a bed and almost broke his neck. Like he was an evil alien child, but still sure, to see but... a Oscar winning actress. <laughs> Nicole Kidman throw a small child around is pretty entertaining. It's like Nicolas Cage in Wicker Man where he keeps punching women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Uh, the, the There's a scene, let's talk about this. There were so many scenes in the movie that could have been just much better if they had been set up. Yeah, that's Like fair. the right way. That was a scene. Nicole Kidman is taken into... It looked like a very nice business hotel. Like I'm not quite sure what it was, mm-hmm. or a, or an apart like a very fancy apartment building. But uh, and she's and her by the alien leaders who are a kid, her ex husband, and some woman that I don't remember if we'd met before. Uh, and she's brought into a room, and her son is there. She's been she's been looking for her little boy son, and the two of them are staring at each other. And both of them, it seems, have been pretending to be aliens, and neither one wants to tip themselves off if the other one is an alien. There's this moment that could have been great tension of, like, neither of them trust the other, even though the thing they want most in the world is to be with that person, the boy with his mother and the mother with with her son. And... But neither of them wants to make the first move because if the other one's an alien, then they're screwed. But instead, it just it kind of happens for a moment, and then the mother refers to an in joke about pickles that came up earlier in the film, and it's over. But like we also didn't know what was going on with the kids, so it should have been like I guess they're going for suspense with the audience, but it might have been stronger if we knew the kid was pretending. Right, you're going for like the Hitchcock thing where it's better. If you know that there's if a bomb under all the, the seat. Yeah, exactly. Also the fact that that's one of those things. That, someone read Screenwriting 101 or I guess like Sid Mead's book or something and mm-hmm. then didn't do much more than that because it was like they did the screenwriting trick of, oh, they used that in-joke from earlier to find out if they were still human or not. But that in-joke appeared just once and it appeared so obviously that we knew it must have been a clue. It's like Or the same way that Daniel Craig's 
pessimism about the news showed up once at the beginning and once like there are these matched pairs of moments much like much like every time nicole kidman remembers her son that she loves all the memories happen to be times that we've seen them in the (laughs) movie earlier in the film like oh it's the little kid lying next to his train it was weird they did have a weird moment too early on when nicole kidman figured out what was going on where she like flashed back to things that happened earlier and was like huh there must be an alien invasion. However, it wasn't like it wasn't like you know a real puzzle film no. where oh all these flashbacks finally the picture comes into into <laughs> yeah. sharp relief. Instead, it was just like oh remember all those moments of foreshadowing earlier? They were foreshadowing remember something. That? It wasn't the usual suspects, is what you are saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my God! There were fucking aliens. When those people were, I thought ominous, they were just weird. When those people were ominous and trying to vomit on me, it turned out that they were aliens. Also, when they sounded like aliens. <laughs> when those people I knew sounded started talking like robots, it turns out there's something wrong with them. But they weren't robots. They were, they were aliens. aliens. But they talked, you know, like that. They talked in robot cage. If they were robots, I would love it if like aliens came from twist. outer space and they replaced us all with robots. Well, that seems like such a waste of resources. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what the point would be then. <laughs> Fuck with us. Aliens, you could use these. Aliens are practical jokers. Why are you wasting all this steel and like circuitry? On why the do you assume that they're made out of steel, dude? They could have been plastic. That's true. Well, why are they wasting all that plastic? That's not going to buy Like data? <laughs> yeah. Data's plastic, right? Is he? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, um... well, he had a, he had a, at heart, he was as human as you or I. <laughs> Oh, right. Speaking of which, Brent Spiner, Data as Brent Spiner, that's one of these few... which, out to sea star Brent Spiner. <laughs> that's one of the few celebrities people have told me I look like. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for really? saying that I look like Brent Spiner. I kind of see it a little bit in the I nose. I see it a lot now that you mentioned it. Now that you mentioned it, I never would have thought that. Well, you know, it's, it's weird. You know, you always get, like, you always get the spectrum. You know, like, if people... I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had the experience that, like... Sure. You know, people will be like, oh, you look like this person, you look like this person. And then there are people that you're, like, really, like, happy to be told that you look like. And mm-hmm. the people are like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, on my, like, good side, people will be like, oh, you kind of remind me of John Cusack. Or, oh, you got a bit of a, like, a David Duchovny thing. And then, like, it's like, Brent Spiner. Or <laughs> Kevin Spacey. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> people tell me that they're like, oh, you look like Casey Affleck. And then other times they'll be like, you know who you look like? You know the guy from the Goonies, like the retarded guy? That's who you look like. But that's more like little kids say that. Like, mm. Little kids used to say that around the time Goonies came out. I think they were just making fun of me. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, I think it's because your eyes are really weird. <laughs> like, you got like, you know, that weird like ear that sticks out. You're also strangely muscular. <laughs> you know Pinhead from that new movie, Hellraiser? You look like him. What? I did have pins in my head at the time. Yeah. Though, so. <laughs> well, Pretty logically. Clear, sure. That's the only thing. <laughs> oh, that's the one thing that we man. said. You look kind of like that. They couldn't go to sleep. This, as you said, this was like a weird holdover from the original version because, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it was almost like the same way that humans have a vestigial tail inside their asses. This movie had little <laughs> elements from the original story that were kind of the, like appendixes, like or appendices. They were there, but they didn't serve any discernible function anymore. Like you can't go to sleep. Be- well, why? Because the virus won't attack you if you're not sleeping. Like it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, it's good science, dude. Well, yeah, <laughs> actually, sleep white, is better for you. When white you have a blood virus. cells go to sleep. <laughs> but like when what? you have a virus, when you have sickness, you're supposed to sleep because no, your body Elliot, is resting. That's why you're sick well, all when the you time. Go, when you go to, when you go to sleep, <laughs> I guess I should be out running 10ks when I'm when I'm sick. Yeah, when you go to sleep dude that's when uh the virus 
sees you're sleeping and then pounces. <laughs> That's when the virus tiptoes out from behind your blood cells and yep. attacks you. And I was saying that I would like it if uh, the virus looked like little Freddy Krueger's <laughs> going through the guy's system. Yeah, like, oh, we've come up with an animation mock-up here to show you exactly how the alien virus works. I put a little hat on He's got this really, really fashionable uh, striped sweater. No, we don't have any research. He re- says strangely yeah. homoerotic jokes when attacking you. We don't have any research Puns. to prove that the virus says one-liners afterwards. But we think, it, we think it's pretty likely. Yeah. But uh, it's... Oh, the, man. The like research the, jumps really fast in this movie, too. But there's also... Yeah, the, well, that's the thing. It's taken... They should get Jeffrey Wright on the AIDS problem. Because he found a cure for alien virus in a, a roughly 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah, in, including he... And then it took... Other, and while he was saddled with sassy Eddie Murphy. Too, and it, yeah, so. I was just going to say, it took another 48 hours <laughs> to cure the virus, globally. Nice. The thing about it is that he not only like figured out a way to solve the problem and also show people the problem, he also set up some kind of an animation so that you could see, like, it's that fucking whole, like, movie computer thing where they're like, most people have never seen a computer, right? Okay, let's just show this really cool, like, CGI we'll animation thing. just say thing. that computers do that. Yeah, and it's like, what, like, Swordfish and, like, every other... I had the guys at DreamWorks mock this up for me. This is just to show you a little... Or hackers where they're, like, actually, like, flying through, Uh like, CGI blocks. They're like, oh, this is what the internet looks like. It's a bunch of colored blocks. (laughs) Fisher Stevens trying to stop us. I think he's an Indian. We shouldn't mention anything. He's skateboarding. It it takes... Stuart off into it, his own Fisher Stevens world. He looks like a turtle. (laughs) Thank you. That was my point. Thank you for proving my point. But, um... Uh... Stuart, you mentioned before uh, Daniel Craig and a cane, and I think that the audience has been spending this whole time being like, "Understandably, yeah. Why what? A cane? What was that about a cane?" And there wasn't even a fucking cane, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, that was something that we called that didn't uh, happen. Um, so uh, you know, there's the moment in all of these movies where the love interest gets turned, yes. and that's the shocking, like, sad moment. And uh, in this film. She has no one to turn to. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is protecting her kid, and Daniel Craig shows up, and he's He was her rock. In the the first one, in the first Vision of the Body Snatchers movie, that's one of the scenes I like a lot, although when I saw it with an audience, people laughed uproariously at it, where he (laughs) he kisses his girlfriend and then realizes that she does not kiss him back, and uh, that's when he notices that she's turned, and it horrifies him. Right. And now that he's had this contact with it also, and audiences nowadays find that hilarious, but... (laughs) But it's like a, re- a really good way of doing it. They find the, the idea of uh, kissing hilarious. That's something <laughs> that just hats. happened back in the 50s. It was an audience of 11-year-olds also. But, <laughs> but uh, Daniel Craig shows up and he's like threatening Nicole Kidman. And, uh, but she, very calmly. Yeah, Nicole Kidman shoots everyone around Daniel Craig with, with perfect aim, by the way. She is a hell of a yeah. marksman with that handgun. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of like point of like view of the gun. Yeah, like, it was like weirdly like, yeah, it was like video game. I was surprised they didn't have a scene earlier in the movie where she was trying to hit a target and she was just off. Like, and they're like, gonna need more practice than that one, Dr. Bunnell. You know, that's <laughs> oh, someday, I'll, someday I'll be able to shoot well. And then they get to that scene, it's like, is she going to be able to shoot these people? Right. Probably her aim's not that good. Basically. But her solution with Daniel Craig, who she still loves, even though he's an alien, and he, she hopes that he can be cured, is to shoot him in the knee, Terminator 2 style, yeah. and then leaves him. And we don't see him again <laughs> until the ending. And and I was always thinking, like, okay, you know, like, she's, like, writing a note to herself on her hand. She's like, all right, remember, after cure is found, go back to pharmacy, get Daniel <laughs> Craig, who I left bleeding to death on the floor. And we do, and sure enough. a painful wound. To be wounded yeah. in the knee is extremely painful. Yeah. And I thought that they were going to deal with it by um, showing Daniel Craig 
um, with a cane later on in the movie. So that audiences were like, like oh, oh thank yeah, God. Me. That's right. I, hope I remember. Wrong. That was something that happened earlier in the film. <laughs> but, <laughs> they would have beautiful but the, babies. But they dealt with it by not dealing with it at all. They showed Daniel Craig sitting down. sitting down at the table with a newspaper and they cut to that abrupt ending. But also, here's the thing. Is they cure that's and here's the difference again between the Well old, Jeffrey Wright found a cure for a shot kneecap, by Je- the way. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright that's that no. Simpsons joke. We'll revive you as soon as we have a cure for seventeen stab wounds in the back. <laughs> well, how are you guys doing? We're up to fifteen. Like the uh the it was a virus, and Jeffrey Wright cures it, which means Nicole Kidman is a murderer. She's a mass murderer who's killed somewhere in the realm of twenty people in this movie, either shooting them, hitting them with their car, and then sending them through the window the, right. the display window of what was the name of that store? Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. Uh and that or like at one point I think I don't remember like her car's on fire and she's driving into people and you like so I, I wonder if she has this on her conscience that she's well, that's, well, that's, that's what, what, yeah that's the what she's last, thinking about at the end the she's, final monologue like I can't believe I killed all those people <laughs> she's, a, she's thinking about no her soul? arraignment later on that day. Oh, by the way I need you to pick me up from court later unless they're taking me to jail in which case I don't need you to pick me up mm-hmm. yeah so everyone yeah. else managed to make it through the alien invasion without killing anyone Nicole Kidman <laughs> you're just bloodthirsty and also and speaking of I don't know. I remember this because it was around the same time. Speaking of bad CGI, uh, Jeffrey Wright is flying around in a helicopter with some soldiers, relaying to Nicole Kidman where she needs to go. Uh, much like a character in a video game would talk to you when you're on the way to, you know, on the way to where you're supposed to drop the hookers off at Grand Theft Auto. But uh, yep. turn right here. The kid, their guys are getting nervous, you know. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it's one of the worst CGI helicopters I've seen in a long time. Yeah, right? it was really awesome. Okay, we've it's talked like, way too long, by the way. So I gotta, I gotta cut us off because uh, we didn't even talk about snatched. No, our, we'll save that. Save that for your own blog. Okay. Maybe we'll put that in a movie minute or something. Sure. But um, so uh, final judgments quickly. Uh, is this a movie that you would uh, not recommend at all? A movie that you'd recommend as a good, bad movie? Or a movie that you kind of liked a little bit? Uh, who's going first? There uh, you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would say I uh, would not recommend it at all. Because this, this was kind of similar to Awaken. That it was so passionless that there was a, not a lot to to latch on to. It was yeah. very... And also like Michael Clayton in that way. It was like this took place in a world where there were pod people, but... Everyone had no emotions, so it was very hard to. Although that you do see, uh, I don't know if Stuart was going to mention this. You do see Nicole Kidman wearing basically a see-through shirt at one point. So you know that's. Yeah, but you can see that elsewhere. That's true. Yeah, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, this movie was a piece of shit. <laughs> don't watch it. Pu. Yeah, I was gonna like. There was a point early on when I was like, you know what? I would watch this on like like a late night. Like it's glossy. It's you know. But then as it progressed, it just got more and more just straight up dull. Yeah, very dull. And then the absurdly truncated ending came. <laughs> so I think the editor might have fallen asleep. Surprise, and they, surprise. And his head fell on the delete rest of movies button. <laughs> and so that was all that was. We Man, they, just really, some they should really not put those on those Avid machines. I don't know why they do. The rest of movie. Oh, so many lost It's films. very easy to hit. Uh, so many of... Orson Welles classics wouldn't be because he was editing them on an avid. Where's the internal consistency in your joke, Dan? Fair enough. That's how they lost Eric von Stroheim's greed in the avid. They digitized all the footage. You're a dick. You're just a dick. Just when it comes to editing jokes. All right. Well, let's move on to movies that we have seen recently and we would recommend, or at least have something to say about, if nothing else. 
So um, I went first last yeah. time. Okay, Let's I'll go. go. Um, I went and saw Paranoid Park the other night, uh, the Gus Van Zandt uh, skateboarder movie. Sure. Um, and unlike previous skateboard movies I've seen, like the skateboard kid with the talking skateboard, <laughs> <laughs> this movie did not have a talking skateboard. Surprising choice for Gus Van Zandt. <laughs> yeah. No talking skateboard. Uh, I was expecting a talking skateboard, possibly with like a wisecracking Brooklyn accent. But instead, I got, um, I don't know, like a phantasmagorical dream, uh, dreamlike film. And uh, however, it was pretty good. And about halfway through it, there's a scene where a dude is cut in half and is crawling around with his guts hanging out, which was awesome. So, thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like... uh... Seems like that's made just for you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they could have used a skateboard, a talking skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have been made for you. A sassy skateboard. Yeah, at, sassy. at that point, the guy gets cut in half, and the skateboard goes, "Whoa, that looks like it, Hoyt." Goes, Wait a minute, you can talk. You got that right. You know, something like that. <laughs> you and me, buddy. Hey, let's get out of here. <laughs> Wheels don't fail me now. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You know, drives away. It basically turned into Jabberjaw at that point. Then they're in a band, the skateboard's playing drums. It's awesome. There's a guy with a a snidely whiplash mustache. I have to get my hands on that skateboard. The guy who's cut in half is playing keyboard. (laughs) We we just wrote. Top half is playing keyboard, his bottom half is playing playing, uh, like tambourine or something like that. I want to see this movie so bad. And we'll call it Talking Skateboard. <laughs> Talking Skateboard <Man>. and Friends. <laughs> oh my god. Um I I saw a lot of good movies recently. I I'll recommend one and then I'll just say they're like I have two short things to say about two other movies that are just like parts of those movies. But um I watched uh Ms. Forty Five, speaking of uh Abel Ferrara, who uh made the nineties version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um you know, um, I guess was that early '80s or or was it late '70s? I don't. It's a I don't know. exploitation movie about a woman who um, who basically gets raped twice in one day. Although it's the most <laughs> for a movie where there's two rape scenes, it's the most sensitive and quick version of those scenes. Like it's not. It's you know like this it's not a, like it's not irreversible. Either. Yeah, it's not. Sure. It's not like. There's not even any nudity. It happens very fast. The whole point is just the impact on her. It's not like, hey, check out this rape scene, you know, like which would be terrible, obviously. But um, but the point is, that is be- what it said on the poster for the film, though. <laughs> so it's it's poor advertising. But they were yeah. quoting Roger Ebert. That's the thing. <laughs> that was point, directly from his review. The point of the the thing is like that just sets up the idea that this is a this is a damaged woman who goes out and then um, basically avenges herself upon like. At first, any men who are clearly, like, a threat, and then just men in general. But the interesting thing about it is, for an exploitation movie of this kind, it is so clearly on the woman's side. Even when she goes crazy. <laughs> Even, like, when she goes crazy and just, like, shooting random guys, it's, like, on the woman woman's side. But it's it's like a Hitchcock exploitation film, because it's beautifully shot, it's beautifully put together, and um, there's some really funny stuff in it, too. Like, the, the woman is... Uh, a mute and like she's like seducing all these men into like coming to get shot and none of the men notice that she's mute like all the men are just happy to talk about themselves <laughs> for the whole time and don't make any reference to the fact that she hasn't said anything and so it's sort of like and that joke isn't called attention to but it's clear that they're making fun of the the guys but but to summarize how's 
How's the nude scenes? There are no oh, nude scenes. Right. That's another that reason. That's another <laughs> reason why I think it's uh, it's you know clearly on the woman's side. There's okay. a, there's a there's a part where you think that there's going to be a nude scene, and in a normal like exploitation film, there would be, but it's uh, subverted, and it's uh, well done. And um, what were the other fifty movies you wanted to talk? about? No, there are two other movies. <laughs> I, brief things that I wanted to say about them. Number one, I saw. Um, the most dangerous game, sure. Just recently, the old one. Yeah, or yeah. The one with Ice Cube. No, the, the, the uh, new. That yeah, no, the old one. Surviving the game, and it's Ice T. <laughs> so I got I get my ices mixed up. Sure. I saw the most dangerous game because, um, you know, it's a lot of the same people who did uh, the original King Kong, which is one of my favorite movies. That's what they shot it on the same set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to say about that, and you know, everyone has probably read the short story The Most Dangerous sure. Game in school at some point. The right most after read short Incident story. in Owl Creek Bridge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Gift of the Magi. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and The Necklace. That's another one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, Penthouse Forum, January 85. <laughs> Did you guys not read that in school? Just the letters. Just the oh, letters. Okay. Sure, yeah. But, so everyone knows that The Most Dangerous Game is that Man. That teacher was later fired. <laughs> but... I think it's hilarious. There's one point early in the most dangerous game where they're talking about like, so what do you think the animal feels like when it's hunted? And the guy goes, he literally says something along the lines of, well, they're hunters and they're the hunted. And luckily, I will never be the hunted. <laughs> the irony was less subtle back then. <laughs> it was the most hilarious foreshadowing I've ever seen in any movie. And the other film I saw that I wanted to say something briefly about was... Uh, I saw the Lucio Fulci movie Zombie, and I hate Italian horror, and I've said and it before. Italian people. <laughs> yeah. You say, you say that a lot outside of the podcast. Shh. Don't. Please. <laughs> we have a big Mama mia, Italian. I hate the Italians. <laughs> Again, funny voice hour. Um, <laughs> but I watched it mainly because this is a movie that's famous because it has a fight between a zombie and a shark. Yes. Sure. And I knew this going in. That was the reason that I wanted to see it, even though it was an Italian horror movie. I'm like, zombie and shark fight, eh? But what no one told me was, uh, prior to the zombie and shark fight, there's like a, a minute of nude scuba diving. Like, this woman <laughs> oh, yeah. is this like... This is an Italian horror movie. Basically, almost entirely nude, uh, has like the tiniest of thongs, and she straps on like a, an oxygen tank, and she goes <laughs> scuba diving. So, the order of events is... Nude scuba diving, woman is threatened by shark, woman is threatened by zombie, zombie and shark fight, which makes it like the best seven minutes ever committed to film. The rest of the movie you can ignore, but that sequence is great. There's that really great splinter in the eye scene. Though. Yeah, that that's the great. other good part of that movie. There, my, there's a terrible Italian horror movie called Zombie Lake, which is all women taking their clothes off and then zombies attacking them. And the opening is like a bad version of that, where a woman takes off her clothes, swims for the uh, entirety of the opening credits, and then a zombie kills her. And then later on, like, it gets really ludicrous. Like, a woman literally hikes up her skirt to fix her garter, and a zombie attacks her. And it's like, come on, really? Seriously? This, you know. So, zombie lake, you say. So zombie that's uh, that's with, like, Nazi zombies or something, right? Yeah, Blood-sucking Nazi zombies. No, no, that's a different... They are Nazi zombies in Zombie Lake. Wait, there are two Nazi zombie films? There are there? multiple yeah, Nazi zombie movies. That's the kind of idea, like, Nazi vampires, where you're like, why hasn't anyone ever done this? And it turns out, like, 75 people have done it. <laughs> I do All have right. a Nazi vampire story on dealing Sure. So, uh, I oh, think yeah. Dan's finally done. I think you were just waiting for him to t- talk about the <laughs> movie. I was just, I was just I watching really him fat. until his mouth stopped moving. And then, uh, 
Unfortunately, I have, I have seen a lot of not very good movies lately. Uh, a lot of stuff that I had... What was the worst? The worst was uh, the film version of the play Equus, which has these moments of very brilliant... It means like horse or something, right? Yeah. Well, it's, I don't know With if Jenny Agutter? If you're not familiar... Uh, I don't remember. Was she the girl in it? Yeah. I mean, I was watching it... You may really know her see... from uh, American Werewolf in London, Walkabout. Oh, yeah. I, re- I was watching it really to see how Richard Burton, who plays the psychologist in it, deals with his part and how Sidney Lumet directed it. And Sidney Lumet directed it by making the monologue scenes brilliant and making every other scene terrible. And they opened up the movie as you do... Oh, you, they opened up the play as you do by making it more of like a mystery thriller. Like, in the play, there's a certain amount of mystery. Why did this young boy, stat, like, blind all these horses? And it turns out that he has a fixation, partly sexual, partly religious, on horses. And it, he's just very screwed up. But in this, they open it up by showing, like, oh, his parents are argue a lot. Oh, and also, you know, there he. this is his job interview when he got the job at the stables. Uh, it got increasingly silly at times. Until they had a flashback to the first time that the young boy had ever seen a horse, and the guy—it's a horse—he's on the beach, and a man rides up on a horse clad all in black, knee-high, almost leather, like ha- high half-calf leather boots, like this beautiful granite man. You know, Slider so goes, "Whoa there, hello, little boy. This is my horse, Trojan. Trojan. Whoa, Trojan. Whoa!" And he's so ridiculously <laughs> over the top, and the and the, the boy's parents are like, "Get away! Don't put him on that horse. What are you doing? He get hurt. What are you talking about? Tro- you're scaring the horse. Stop it!" Whoa! And it's his voice is ridiculous. And it <laughs> sounds like it's a joke on itself. So that was a bad one. And I saw Zoo. This is totally unrelated. I had on my TV at the same time Equus and Zoo, which is another movie about what? a man who has sex with a horse. Why did you? I they just have like I saw Zoo happen to be on TV. And I'm like supposed to be good i might tape no i don't want to see well, a documentary a, about a man having sex that's with a the horse. thing it was all, it was a documentary that was too, that was afraid to be tasteless so it was more a meditation on the idea of loneliness and being an outsider to the point that the facts of the case that this is a man who died having sex with a horse don't come in until halfway through the movie and you're like these guys keep calling themselves zoos and they kind of get together and hang out at this one guy's house this is why i haven't seen a lot of good stuff lately uh but last night i saw the for the first time this is a movie that uh, I should have seen earlier, I guess, but Modern Romance, uh, one of Albert Brooks's early movies, which was, ver- which was very good. It was back when Albert Brooks was looked like he was about to take Woody Allen's crown, I guess, as the man who made kind of serious comedies. Uh, and there's a lot of funny stuff in it, and Albert Brooks is very good, and it's a really creepy movie. Dan and I were talking about this earlier because it's about a man who is so jealous of his girlfriend that he basically torments her and keeps breaking up and getting back together with her. And it's this doomed relationship that he can't seem to let get lose hold of, right. partly, because, I guess, because she's super pretty, and he just doesn't want to let go of a super pretty girl. But it's really funny, but he is – it's a movie that in a different tone could have been a thriller because he's basically <laughs> stalking her. But there are also moments where – it was, the movie was released in 1981, and it's like Albert Brooks said to himself, this movie's being made in 1981, but people are going to watch it 27 years from now, and the way people did things in 1981 is going to seem hilarious. So let's play that up as much as possible. <laughs> I'm going to wear a jogging suit that looks ridiculous. I'm going to have an old-fashioned, it's new now, but an old-fashioned alarm clock, old-fashioned record player. I'm going to listen to nothing but songs, on, pop songs on the radio that are around at the time. And it just there are these moments that are very silly, and you almost get the idea that he knows... This movie will be funnier in the future because of how ridiculous the present is at the moment. Right. He strangely has his shirt off through much of the movie, which is bizarre mm-hmm. to me because 
you know, he was in pretty good shape, I guess. No, well, the thing is, he's like, it's <laughs> in the 80s, there were different standards for men and women. Men, women in movies had to be pretty sexy, but men could be just normal looking. I, I used the movie Bachelor Party recently for something at work, and the m- women in it are pretty hot, but the, men, the women go to a male strip club, and the men are not even particularly muscular. They're just kind of not ugly guys. And it's just funny the way the standards were different. So, like, Albert Brooks' girlfriend is very pretty, but he's uh-huh. Albert Brooks. He's not, he's not out of shape, but his body is covered in Brillo pad-like hair, you know, so. Every time I think of that, that scene in Bachelor Party, I always imagine, like, for some reason my brain is <laughs> fucked up, and I always imagine all of them having the face of the guy who runs the Cobra Kai dojo in Karate Kid. Uh-huh. Like, they all have that guy's, like, weirdly, like, simian features. <laughs> I don't think they do, but that's, you know. It's my imagination. That's how I like to remember Bachelor Party. <laughs> yeah. Not the, the guy in charge, not William Zabka. No, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah, William Zabka's great. The one the one who's like, um, who punch, for the, week. the one who punches out the window at the beginning of... Karate uh, Part 2. Yeah. Oh, to, say, to say one more thing about Modern Romance, in case anyone's not sold on it, it is a movie that has... George Kennedy and Meadowlark Lemon of the Harlem Globetrotters playing themselves <laughs> in one scene, which I did not expect Tremendous. going into it. And also, and a pretty good joke about the Incredible Hulk at one point. Like, it's all over the place, the movie, but it's very good. That's a tremendous recommendation. <laughs> well, um, we should uh, get out of here, but um, I wanted to... You should to... get the Saturday Night Live end of show music to start playing at this point. <laughs> I should hire, um, what's his face? Uh, G.E. Smith. G.E. Smith. I'm sure he's not doing anything. So. Well, he might, be going to, he might be backing up Bowie again. Before he was on Saturday Night Live, he was part of Bowie's backup man. Oh, my God. This has been Music Facts. That's what's called a callback, If you have any other questions about musicians from the 80s through the 1880s, <laughs> any John Philip Sousa questions, just write Elliot Kalin at musicfacts.blogspot.edu. So, um, but I want to, speaking of which, I want to thank people for, a lot of people actually did go and vote at Podcast Alley. Yeah. And we got bumped up to... Number forty-eight. Nice. Number forty-eight in comedy for March. That's Holy awesome. shit! Not we overall at, podcast, but in comedy and what for were March. We at before. We were at one hundred and one. That's a huge jump. That's a huge. That's leap. a big jump. So I want to tell people that you can make a difference. I wouldn't like too much this week. Unlike in your, uh, unlike in American politics, sure, your vote can make a difference. You're so in jaded. the flop house. You're so, Dan, all I have to do is vote for change. Yeah. For instance, yeah. changing Flophouse from number 48 to number 1. Why don't you do that? Oh. Remember, you can vote uh, every month. So uh, after March has ended, if you voted before, you can vote again. It's totally legal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, But also, if you want to um, see show notes or anything else, you can go to theflophousepodcast.blogspot.com or you can send us an email at theflophousepodcast at gmail.com. I bet and you can Google it, too. You can totally Google that shit up. That's the brilliance of Google. Okay. And that was one of the things that the invasion got right, is when Nicole Kidman has, has suspects things, she Googles, my husband is not my husband. Yeah. And There's a lot of text messaging in this movie. Yeah. That's and video text messaging. All right. Well, while they continue to talk about the invasion, I'll just sign off saying that I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I am Elliot Kalen. Or am I? <laughs> Good night. <laughs> It's not even night really yet. (laughs) I used up all my jokes. Well, you better believe I'm using Snatched (laughs) in this podcast. No!
I call that. All right, I think that's fine. I was going to use uh, your snatched joke. Who's As... snatched now, dog? I don't know why, but Sean Connery's in that movie. You're all the man now. <laughs> You're all the man now, dog. So should we start or what? You're the boss. Am I? Yeah. Sure. yeah.